Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology today. I'm so grateful you're here with us. I am so thankful to be your host. We're going to be looking today at Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, and does it contradict the Old Testament? So let's get started. We're on pages 157-158 of the popular handbook of archaeology in the Bible by Holden Geisler, a great textbook I recommend everyone to get. And it says this, they're counteracting Bart Ehrman in some of his assertions. It says, Ehrman also raises the problem with names that are present in Matthew's gospel, but are missing in the Chronicles genealogy, which is assumed to be Matthew's source. He presents these problems to his audience, though no one has ever worked through to deal with the issues before. And I will say this, that is incorrect, because I've read this for decades. In particular, he draws attention to the missing generations of Matthew's genealogy from Joram to Uz- Uzziah, such as Ahaziah, this is in 1 Chronicles 3, 11, and 12, Joash, and Amaziah. And that comes from Geisler and Nix's A General Introduction of the Bible, a textbook from Indiana Bible College, Moody Press, I used. I've done a review on it over at New Life of Albany. It's just an excellent book in so many ways. Few little disagreements on textual base there, but a lot of great information. Ehrman objects that Jehoram is not, in fact, Uzziah's father, but rather his grandfather. Now, I will say this, and all over the ancient world, like Lot is Abraham's nephew, can be called his brother, you know, and all this. They tended to, and even son could be regnal successor. It didn't have to be even genetic. So, Ehrman claims that Matthew has twisted the facts in order to keep the numerology tidy and secure because he's a tax collector. And so there's an emphasis on 14 generations within the lineage, Matthew 117, which it, what it is is there's three generations of 14. Ah, so that's six generations of seven, and Jesus would be the first of seven, the seventh generation of seven, the first, and so there you have it. Um, to begin with, the Greek in Matthew, many places in the genealogy does not use the word father, but a prepositional phrase meaning out of, an idiom, idiom for conveying family relationships in such context. In the place of contention, Matthew 1.8, the Greek word geneo, to father is used, but it entirely misunderstands the Greek idiom to force this word to refer only to a direct biological father. Jesus, for example, is called the son of David, but there's 31 generations intervening between them. See, son, that's Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, son of Abraham, son of David. When the text says the father of in Jewish idiom, this means an ancestor of. And I do want to reemphasize this point. The genealogical records were in the temple of Jerusalem. Anybody could go look. Nobody ever doubted the genealogical records. If there would have been error, they would have pointed it out. They weren't. They, they fought over the virgin birth, but not the genealogy. Same kind of idiom is employed here as in Matthew 1.8. Urban knows better. It's on the verge of downright misleading to say the text says father, but this is an error because of the grandfather's in view. These were one and the same in the ancient world. Actually, believe shows the strength of the reliability of the New Testament. If Ehrman has to resort to these kind of details to find errors, 
problems must not be so glaring as he insists. But see, you know, people read his book and they've never read the Bible and they're just like, oh man. But in the Bible, it's it's very obvious. So he hears either slopping his research or simply smuggling in an idea he knows does not hold the weight demanded of them, which will nonetheless stir up controversy and sell books. Uh-oh, the love of money. But I'm not going to impugn that to Bart Ehrman. I have no idea his motives, really. Ehrman's objection on this point also assumes without argument that genealogies in the ancient world and the Bible were closed genealogies, no gaps. In fact, the evidence supports the existence of open genealogies where generations are skipped, which Matthew would clearly be one. These open genealogies allowed authors the freedom to highlight the points in the genealogy significant to their narrative purposes without the constraint of having to delineate every person of family over thousands of years of history. In Matthew's case, yes, it allows the freedom to pursue a numerological pattern, but one understands the way Jewish, geneal Jewish genealogies worked in the ancient world. This in no wise compromises the integrity of Matthew. Similar gaps occur in other genealogies, demonstrating a wider biblical pattern with which Matthew aligns. For example, the genealogies of 1 Chronicles 6, 14, Ezra 7, 3, and 4, when in comparison is made, show that Ezra omits six generations between Zariah and Azariah. It's got a little chart. Does this indicate that there's error in the text? No. It shows a literary pattern, which it was acceptable to record a family's lineage without having to show every single link in the line of descent. My sister's into genealogy, and she does this all the time, trying to trace back Waldrons. Other people also, I will say this, go and show why Ahaziah, Joash, and Amaziah, or Amma, yeah, Amaziah, are excluded. So, just want to say that. So, God bless you. We love you. Thanks for being here with us. Please share with your friends, family, church family. Pray for us. Join us daily. And we'll talk with you later. God bless you. Bye-bye.